Hey there, and welcome to the Punch Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And this is the show where we take a look at any graphic novel or trade paperback collection featuring a female lead. And up this time, we have Nimona, which uh, has a quite a uh, little bit of a history and some interesting credits to it. It started life as a webcomic, uh, which it won... Uh, one award for was nominated for another award for after it was collected in a book it was nominated for more awards um fairly well regarded uh piece of work and it is by noelle stevenson who wrote it drew it this is this is her this is her baby she's pretty much the only one behind it so um the premise is um that a what appears to be a young girl by the name of Nimona, um, links up with this with this would-be supervillain called Ballister Blackheart. And this is in a world where magic and surprisingly modern te- technology kind of exist side by side. And she basically just shows up one day and says, hi, I'm your new sidekick. Not really asking permission or anything else, she just she just wants to be uh, involved in his evil schemes. And he initially rebuffs her until he finds out that she can shapeshift, which makes her a much bigger asset than just a random young girl would be. And so the two of them then set off on a series of adventures and misadventures um, in their attempts to damage um, what is called the institution or the institute. I think it's the Institute. Yeah. The, the Institute, um, which sort of has a great deal of power in the region and whose champion um, is... If I can get this guy's first name right. His last name is Golden Loin. His last name, <laughs> yes. know that much. His last name is Golden Loin. Um, his I think first it's name like is, Ambrosius or yes, something. Yes, Ambrosius Golden Loin is the hero of the land and the arch rival of of Ballister Blackheart. I don't know whether they say Ballister or Ballister. I, I, I usually said Ballister, okay. but we can go either way. E- either way, um, but, and, and it is them headbutting and then the stakes continually get raised as things are realized about the state of the world that maybe not everybody was privy to. And I guess we'll kind of leave it at that as far as plot goes. Um, Now, this was one that you brought to the table. Yes. Um, So, Nimona is one of the Dorothy Canfield Fisher nominees for 2016-2017. It was also examined um, for the Green Mountain Book Award nominee list. It didn't make that, but it did make the Dorothy Canfield Fisher list. Um, It's been a national book award finalist as well. I had heard great things about it, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it might be my favorite graphic novel. Um, it's got a really great, cheeky sense of humor. Um, the characters are just great um, because, well, I love the central relationship and friendship that develops between Ballister and Nimona. Um, it's you know, it comes over time, and at first he's like, I don't know what to do with you, you're getting in the way. And then he gets very protective of her, she also gets protective of him. Um, it's it's a really great friendship. His friendship, or his former friendship, 
with his now nemesis Golden Loin is also hinted at a lot and is very layered as well. And I think this book does a great job of kind of questioning morals throughout and who is evil, what is evil, who really is a good guy. I mean, it, it does it throughout. Should we question authority? Um, so that's what I really loved about it. Um, Nimona herself is a very layered character. Um, she has almost like a gleeful playfulness about death at first, but that kind of underlies a lot of baggage and damage and like a rocky history she has. So. You know who she reminded me of? Have, did you ever see the movie Super? No. It's, um, it was basically, it, it was an attempt to sort of deconstruct superheroes. It was kind of that what if somebody in real life put on a costume and tried to be a superhero with probably the most realistic take on that what if this really happened version, which is this guy is really just a menace. Um, and But he acquires a sidekick partway through the movie, um, played by Ellen Page, who who adopts the name Bolty. Yay, Ellen Page. But she is so into being his sidekick, and she's, like, aggressively violent and eager to really meet out a lot of damage. And, and Nimona reminded me of her uh, a bit in spirit. Uh, that said, this, this book um, is appropriate for a younger age than the movie Superwood. I'm not going to recommend that. <laughs> To the same audience. That said, I, I did like this. I liked this book a lot, and there's a lot to like about it. It did take me a little while to tune into its wavelength, though, um, for a couple of reasons. It took me a little while to wrap my head around sort of the rules of the world and exactly what technologies they have, because at, at this point, mixing technology with magic is not that outside the box. But sort of the first glimpses of quote-unquote technology we get seem kind of steampunkish. Like Ballester has an artificial arm, but it's like gears and joints. And so I thought, okay, well, so we're dealing with steampunk technology. But then next thing I know, people are basically making Skype calls and have Bluetooth headsets. It's like, oh, okay. And not that there's anything wrong with any of it. It just as things that I hadn't thought of get introduced I had to kind of reconfigure my brain so maybe about three chapters into the and it is broken up into chapters so I took maybe three or four chapters for me to to fully be on the same page as everything that was going on yeah that that was one thing where I was like oh, okay this is a little different I'm like this is like nights mixed with like modern technology but it's not really steampunk at all is a little bit different it does it does take like a little bit into the book to get into it yeah though I at the same time I I do appreciate that it doesn't it just is it doesn't try to explain no. why this stuff is existing together this is just what it is and expects you to to keep up and I kind of prefer that as an approach it just took me slightly longer than is normal for me to actually to, to feel like I got caught up um, and I and I don't know if I'd call that a fault, but I just thought it was something worth worth pointing out. Mm -hmm. um, and it, the it, it's hard to know what age group to recommend this book to, because I think a lot about the world and certainly the character in the moment is going to appeal to potentially quite young readers, but it 
the story gets a little dark later on. Yeah. But even, and, even in the early part, it again, it was something that threw me off and took me a while to, to get into the swing of things. Uh, Nimona straight up kills a guard. Like... Early on. Like 10 pages into the book. Yeah. Like, not not am, not ambiguous. She runs him through with a sword. So, it's like, oh, okay. I thought this was going to be, you know, knockout gas and bonk on the head. Kind of, oh, okay. No. So, it, is, <laughs> it is a little violent. I would say fifth grade and up. Um, I think they recommended it even older for um, the Dorothy Canfield Fisher list, like seventh grade and up. But I think fifth graders could probably... I personally think fifth graders could handle it, but I wouldn't go much younger than that. No, I think that that's probably a good... And I think that's partially why it was um, looked at for both lists, is that it does kind of... It could have a young adult feel, especially with more of the moral questioning and things that are going on, and mm. the friendships in it are a little more advanced than what you might see for early elementary or mid-elementary grade yeah. students. I mean, certainly as far as the, the main lead characters, I'm not going to say everyone in the book, but certainly the main lead characters, there aren't a lot of easy answers. There isn't a lot of black and white. Oh, no. Um, and, and everybody has a lot going on for why they are the way they are, and it does manage to examine those things without um, stopping the narrative dead to do that. I thought it was really well-paced. Um... I mean, I never really got bored throughout. Like, it jumped right into the story and the... For for being over 250 pages, it is a fast read. It really is. Um, and there there's some interesting sort of side consequences of its origins as a webcomic. And the first one that I had noticed is if you sort of flip through the book, you notice that the art refines and gets more sophisticated as it goes along. Um, the art style never changes, but if you look at like the very early pages, the colors are pretty flat. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't, a, most of the backgrounds are blank. Um, but as it goes along, there's some really dynamic stuff going on with lighting and, and you're more likely to have large backgrounds. There's some really interesting things done with silhouettes later on and some, um, some fire effects and stuff like that. It just, it, and that, and that is something that happens, well, it happens with comic strips as opposed to comic books in general. And I kind of lump web comics in with that. So, like, I mean, there's no similarities, but, I mean, you go back and look at, say, the first year of Calvin and the Hobbes or early Garfield, and it just, it doesn't look quite the same. It's a little bit rougher. It's a little bit less honed. And just flipping through the book, you can watch um, Noelle Stevenson's art just get better and more on point. Um, and it is quite funny. I think, I think that's another thing that sort of comes from it being a webcomic that I think... Um, I don't know. I, I looked at, into it. This, she was originally publishing these on her Tumblr page, um, mm -hmm. a few pages at a time, which is probably why every few pages we get, basically we get a punchline. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, which, which again doesn't. Yeah, the whole thing still flows. It doesn't feel like a pause for laughter. It feels very organic, but it does explain why there are as many sort of joke moments in it as there are. 
Yeah, almost a pause and then reset to another scene or something like that. It's funny that you mentioned um, Kelvin and Hobbes because when they were playing, so they play this board game at one point called World Domination and they start squabbling over it and playing. It's essentially Monopoly, but it just reminded me of like Kelvin and Hobbes playing like board games and where Kelvin just takes over and cheats and everything. And that's pretty much what Nimona does is like, she can be very childish and be like, well, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And like Ballister always kind of has to try to rein her in. So they, I just really like their friendship and their relationship as it develops. So it's, it's a really good dynamic dynamic between the two. I think it's worth pointing out there's some really good action in this as well, especially when um, Nimona really gets into the thick of it and is shape-shifting in, you know, mid-battle. So you'll have her, you know, punch somebody as a bear and then turn into a fox and run up a guy's um, the barrel of his gun and then turn into an octopus and wrap her tentacles around his head. And it's... Yeah. It's a lot of... It, it does rapid shifting, which is is hard to depict well in comics, I think. But it does does this rapid shape shifting in a way that the action makes sense and is really fun. Yeah, I think this is a book that would definitely appeal to a lot of different readers, both male and female, because it is very action oriented. There's dragons. There's death. There's there's a lot of great stuff, but there's. It's very sophisticated, despite that. So yeah, and I and I think that is worth pointing out because I mean a lot a lot of the some of the stuff we read does fall kind of evenly, but I, a fair amount of it does end up being the audience. The intended audience for this is girls, and that's going to appeal more. You know, things like El Defo or Roller Girl or Sunny Side Up. It it's sort of written very much to appeal to that end. That's not to say that boys couldn't enjoy it, mm -hmm. but I don't think there's as much baked into it for them. I I think this completely would transcend gender yeah, concerns. Um, and, and even, you know, it, and I don't know if parents actually have this concern, but even if parents had a concern of, well, my boy won't relate to a girl protagonist, Ballister gets pretty close to even billing. I would so, say so. Like, in some ways, he... He is, and I mean, he's the main villain, technically. So you yeah. could say she's still a sidekick. Um, I also think that for girls, though, she is a great body positive. Um, I wouldn't say role model, because she is pretty violent. No, but, but personality-wise, she's not a great... <laughs> <laughs> she, she has an admirable energy to her, but yes, yes. she's... But she is body positive. She has, um, she's very curvy. Um, it was nice seeing someone with like thighs, you know, <laughs> like I was like, oh, you know, and even when she turns into a shark, she still is curvy. Like she yeah. has shark boobs. <laughs> so that was great. Well, there's also something nice about the fact being a shapeshifter, she doesn't have to look that way. No, she, could, she chooses. She could look any way she wants, but she chooses to look this sort of this short curvy figure and with piercing yeah partially shaved pink hair and, yeah and and i mean it gets established that it's it's not like she has to default back to this we're like oh i'm out of energy i will become what i always am she she could she doesn't have to do that so the mm -hmm. fact that she still chooses to look like that i think 
has a has a very subtle but very strong body positive message. It's it's hard to know what else there is to talk about without getting too much into the to the tail end of the story. Oh, th there is another character that I did want to mention though, um, and that's a scientist character mm -hmm. named Meredith Blitzmeyer, who I I thought was awesomely adorable because it's this it's sort of a a very old scientist character trope of someone who is just completely immersed in their research and <laughs> what usually results from that is well first of all usually it's a guy second of all it usually results in someone who's just socially inept because they don't have time for the niceties of society she's perfectly pleasant but has no idea what's going on outside of her lab because she just doesn't care no. like literally the city could be burning to the ground and she has no idea because she's busy <laughs> She is very focused on her work. Yeah, she's a great character. Um, I like that... I guess what you could call the villain, in a way, is a woman. The director of the, the Institute. Yeah. Um, which we find out is sort of really the villain, or the, the corrupted authority figure, I guess you could say, mm. of the book. But yeah, she and she's interesting too. And I almost, I almost feel like I kind of wish we had gotten a little more time with her because there's, there's hints at more going on in her backstory than I think the book has time for. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate those hints. That's not for nothing. But it does kind of make me go like, wish we could have dug into that a little bit. I don't know where it would have fit in though, if I'm being fair, because the, the, if the. If the book diverges from the main story, it's to give character beats to, um, I would say the core three characters are Golden Loin, Blackheart, and Nimona. So it, it'll diverge to give them character beats, but if it's not doing that, it's, it's moving. It's moving the story. Yeah. And I mean, they are very well-developed three-dimensional characters, which was nice, all three of them. Um, uh, but yeah, I would like to see, would have liked to know more about the scientist and about the director. And it's, it's, they have such rich characters, you want to kind of get to know them all, you know? I, I do. And th there's a part of me that's kind of like, as much as I like this, and as much as I, I kind of like that it's a completed story and it's closed off, I'm kind of like, is she going to write more? I know, I, I want more. I kind of wish you would write more. I, I mean, kind of want more. And it leaves the possibility that maybe. I don't know. There are places it could go, but at the same time, the story it was telling is certainly done. Yes. So it's it's not it's not a dot 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 to be continued thing, but there's certainly places it could go mm -hmm. that that are things worth telling. I wouldn't have to feel tacked on, but yeah, at, it it is com it is it's self-contained. Yes, it is. Oh, story. which actually reminds me, I found out I have no idea if any movement is being made on this. But 20th Century Fox Animation bought the movie rights Ooh. to this. So, depending on when this episode releases, it may even be announced that it's something they're actually making. So, who knows? Um, I would be. I would be interested to see what gets toned down. <laughs> um, I really hope it doesn't. I had such fun with it. I, I, I would hope so too, but I would think at the very least, the fact that Nimona, and, and, well, she's not the only one, but the fact that there are characters who 
are not black and white. Oh, that's the bad guy who straight up kill people mm. at a few point. I figure if nothing else, yeah. that probably won't make the screen. Mm-hmm. They'll probably make her feel a little more guilt. Well, they'll they'll either do that or they'll they'll do sort of the classic um, action you know action animation for kids things, which is a punch, somebody falls, you assume they're knocked out, but we don't really talk about it. Yeah. Which which could mean we could still see her beat the crap out of people as a bear. She just won't run anybody through with a sword, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yes. Gleeful destruction. That is her game. <laughs> she she loves what she does. There mm. there is no doubt about that. And and again, that's one of the great dynamics between her and Ballister who again, without without wanting to spoil anything, without getting too much into his backstory, is kind of a villain by default. Yeah. Just Things have happened, and for what he wants out of the world, this is the role he has to take up. Um, but she finds so much joy in this. She kind of brings him along for the ride a little bit and actually finding fun in the things that he was just doing because he felt he had to do them. Yeah. He, he, she definitely lightens him up a little bit and brings some, some well-needed joy and laughter into his life yes yes absolutely but i think nimona i think without question gets a pretty hearty recommendation from both of us oh yeah definitely i i mean i i loved it so and um and it's not the only thing noelle stevenson has done which is part of the reason that i think she probably won't come back to this because this actually launched her into doing quite a few things since then she's done artwork for Marvel. She had a she did the Runaways for a little while. She does she is the co-writer and the artist on Lumberjanes, which is something I'd like us to get to eventually. Mm-hmm. Who knows when? We have a lot of stuff that on our slate. We've got a really really long list of potential stuff to eventually get to. So, who knows if and when, but I'm I'm really happy that this very obvious passion project not only did well in and of itself, but allowed her to launch a, a proper career. Yes, that'll about wrap it up. Mm-hmm. So before we sign off, um, we've sort of decided how we're going to handle listener feedback. Uh, any comments you want to leave on the Facebook page or the WordPress page or hit us up on Twitter, we'll respond to, but in terms of on the show itself, um, we're not going to address that directly. What we will do, however, is we will read and respond to Um, iTunes reviews, um, which are incredibly important because the more of those we get, it ups the profile of the show and it makes it show up in searches um, and as recommendations and all that. And even though we only have one episode, we have two already. My goodness. Um, So uh, we're going to read those and and just give our thanks to that. So what's the first one? Um, This is by DS and RS. Um, it's titled Strong Female Characters, and it's a five-star review. Woo! Go us. Um, thank you very much. We, uh, let me read it. We are both fans of strong female characters. Not surprising, since our favorite comic is Trekker, about a strong and independent female bounty hunter. Woo. Needless to say, we were very excited about this podcast dedicated to the many strong female characters in comics. 
Each episode covers a different graphic novel or trade paperback with a lead female character. Hosts Liz and Nathaniel do a fantastic job of discussing the story, art, and characters from differing points of view. A great show that is definitely worth listening to. Thank you so much. And DSNRS, who do have their own podcasts, including Trekker Talk, which they alluded to, um, which and they also have Warlord Worlds and Xenozoic Xenophiles, and they are they they are good people, and we definitely appreciate it. And uh, uh, Darren and Ruth, in case you were wondering, yes, we have put Trekker on the docket. No clue when we'll get to it, but it's on there. I'm very intrigued. I will I will try to make sure it happens sooner rather than later but yeah that's a bounty hunter all right <laughs> our second review uh this is also a five-star review so thank you very much there this one's from clinton robison of the coffee and comics blog he writes a wonderful podcast full of open and honest opinions on comics that focus on female leads the hosts both admit their strengths and weaknesses and these aspects balance and complement each other nicely if you're looking for a podcast that examines the good and the not so good surrounding females in comics then this is the show you've been waiting for show them some love and download today thank you clinton and so complimentary i know thank and, you and even though we're not gonna go through everybody who did we do want to thank everybody who gave us the the likes the shares and everything else on facebook on twitter um this has had a much stronger initial launch than i had any reason to expect for a show that speaking as someone who does not know how to promote worth a darn as someone who's never done a podcast before this, it's it's pretty impressive, and I'm really excited to continue it. And thank you so much to everyone who yes. supported us. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much, and thanks for listening. Until next time, bye! Bye! Punch Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production. Feedback can be left at the Facebook page and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at punchlikeagirl1. The theme music is composed and recorded by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!